Hello and welcome to the Farming Banker Podcast. My name is Jeremy Dutch. I'm the Farming Banker. I'm also a commercial lender for German American State Bank, specializing in the agriculture and real estate investment fields. Um, And I'm a part of our family's operation uh, located in Poplar Grove, Illinois. Uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast, for those of you who are just stumbling across this for the first time, be sure to visit uh, the Farming Banker podcast and select subscribe and follow uh, or follow. I am on three platforms. Uh, you can find this podcast at the Podbean app. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and you can also find it on the Spotify app as well. So make sure you go uh, follow that or subscribe to it so you do not miss another episode of the Farming Banker podcast. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the name Farming Banker. You can get some relevant information around the uh, ag industry, banking industry, regulatory updates, things of that sort. And I also have a website by the name of farmingbanker.com. And on that website, you will find links to our family operation, to the bank, um, and then also to this uh, um, podcast as well. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, too, if you want to be on this uh, Farming Banker podcast, please shoot me an email. Um, love to have guests on here and, and share your story or, or highlight your business. So um, the email to get a hold of me at is jeremy at farmingbanker.com, and uh, we'll try to squeeze you in on the schedule. So thanks for listening in. I appreciate it. Hey, good afternoon. It's Jeremy Dutch, the Farming Banker. I have been MIA for a while. I apologize, but I've been MIA for a couple good reasons, really. Um, it is March 1st. And uh, I'm here to talk about what in the heck is going on. So we've got a couple of things on the horizon as we get into a pre-plant time frame that I just want to talk to everybody about and see if there's uh, anything maybe you guys can get uh, or takeaways that you have from this podcast that will give you some ideas. Um, Or if you don't have ideas, give me a call. So let's just dive right in. Uh, A couple of things on my horizon I want to talk about. U.S. conditions, you know, if anybody's telling you they know where we're going as far as war with, uh, you know, the the Russia-Ukraine conflict, if they know where, you know, all of the prices are going, you know, they really don't. Nobody knows what's going on. So I'm just going to talk about U.S. conditions, ag conditions, inflation, uh, interest rates, maybe some recommendations, and then give you a quick customer testimonial um, and how we've been able to help some people, which is why... I have been MIA for so long. I've had a record, another record year. I actually had a record year in 2020 as far as loan production and the amount of new customers that uh, decided to bank with me. And I had another record year last year um, in 2021. So looking to continue to help people and and uh, bring them on as, as we do this uh, ag lending uh, team and this podcast. And we try to help good people out. So let's just dive right in. U.S. Conditions. The U.S. debt as of today is thirty trillion. Now let me let me let let that sink in for a second. Thirty trillion. If, if you're if you have a, a paper and pencil, you're you're listening to this somewhere. Here's what I want you to write. I want you to write three zero, comma zero zero zero, comma zero zero zero, comma zero zero zero, comma zero zero zero. That is what thirty trillion looks like on paper. It is, let me just look here, one, two, three, four, four commas. And so it is uh, 14 
actual numbers. I remember, you know, you, when you talk about, you know, salary, a six-figure salary is decent salary. This is 14 figures. That's how big 30 trillion is. And so if you want to look at uh, a, a number that's pretty staggering, it is our U.S. debt levels. Um, our U.S. debt to GDP uh, currently is about 124%. In the banking world, you know, we would kind of equalize this jet, uh, debt to GDP somewhere in that, like a debt to asset ratio. And so to give you a perspective, um, you know, in the ag world, we start looking at uh, noted um, leverage issues um, and, and, and things of that sort. It, around that, I would say 40 to 50% debt to asset ratios, you get it higher than that, um, you know, you you would have some, you, obviously you'd have issues with uh, being able to um, sustain, um, you know, value loss on assets, um, price pressures, um, you know, just a bunch of different things where you needed to either pull equity or rely on equity to um, keep you afloat during some, some negative uh, profit margin time. So, with that being said, our, our the U.S. debt is at 124% to GDP. In the 1960s, to put this in perspective, 1960, the debt to GDP was 53%. In 1980, it was 34%. In 2000, it was 59%. And again, today, it makes up 124% of our GDP. So that's what – so here's what that means. It means that basically for every dollar of gross domestic product – we have a U.S. debt of about a dollar twenty-four to that dollar. So uh, obviously, it's above what we produce. <clears throat> it's uh, levels that are, are hard to really see. That you know, can we sustain indefinitely? The largest items that, that make up this uh, spending deficit that we have is Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, the other uh, segment is Social Security, and then the last segment of the three that make up the largest budget deficits is defense. So we've got medical, social, and defense being the three largest. Uh, if you want to know how it compares to other countries, this was an interesting kind of uh, perspective and a thought that I had and wanted to look at compared to other countries. And so I'm first going to just say who I think our, our, uh, our competitors are. Um, I think our competitors are China. I, I, I think Germany's in that. I believe India is in there, and so is Russia. And so if you look at some of these big competitors uh, on a larger scale, obviously we have, you know, other competitors in the ag industry uh, of being, you know, Brazil, Argentina, you know, things of that sort. But I, I'm just kind of saying on a global scale. So China's debt to GDP is 58%. Germany's is 75%. India's is 76%. And Russia, coming in at the lowest, debt to GDP is at 18%. Uh, some of our allies were, uh, you know, Japan is at 269, uh, so 269% debt to GDP is where Japan is. Uh, the United Kingdom is at about 100% debt to GDP. And then we know Greece, uh, you know, had defaulted on some debt uh, in the past. Their, their debt to GDP currently is at about 231%. So as we stack up against our competitors, obviously the U.S., against its competitors has uh, some of the highest debt to GDP levels, which uh, can be uh, slightly alarming. You as a taxpayer, if you're a taxpayer, congratulations. You're currently at around $240,000 of debt. If that, if you were figuring out what your current share of the, the debt is, that comes out to about $240,000 per taxpayer 
for a U.S. citizen, that's about ninety thousand. Um, that includes uh, you know, obviously non-taxpayers, all children, anybody in in the United States, which I think our current population is around three hundred thirty million, uh, comes up to about ninety thousand that way. But it's actually the stat more staggering number is the two hundred forty thousand debt level uh, per taxpayer. So that's kind of the U.S. conditions. The ag conditions, um, you know, I'm in the northern Illinois part, so, you know, I'm not going to talk about soil. I'm not going to talk about weather. Um, not a whole lot besides the fact that we're potentially just a little bit dry. We'd like to have a little snow, more snow cover up here. Um, but that's about all I'm going to get into as far as conditions. Uh, you know what? I, I, I take that back. The other thing I'm going to say about that is that we, we would like to have more snow cover. Um, the ice levels on the Great Lakes would like, you know, Lake Michigan, that's the type of thing. We'd like that to be a little thicker. It points, there's some things that point to potentially a, uh, a, a drier season, a drier spring, a drier season that, uh, you know, we're, we're taking a look at up in our area here. But any conditions, markets, that kind of stuff. Uh, today, I was just looking at what your guaranteed crop um, protection levels are. And for corn, it's at a, a almost a, it's at a, a record of five point nine dollars. Uh, so five dollars and ninety cents um, here in the last few years. It's a it's a record level. The, the last time that it was this high was in 2011. The uh, beans uh, spring price on this is fourteen dollars and thirty three cents. I do believe that that is actually a record high um, in, in the, the whole history of doing these spring price guaranteed levels. So you've got corn at 590, you've got soybeans at 1433. Both are, are pretty decent uh, levels to be guaranteed on, uh, on your, your you know, gross, uh, gross profit uh, margin protection. Uh, oil side of things, uh, and I, I bring this up just to I'll kind of bring it back full circle here, but as far as the uh, Oil per barrel, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase the other day I was reading uh, has a price target on oil at about $130 for 2022. It's about $150 per barrel for 2023. And so why is that important? Obviously, we use fuel, uh, diesel fuel. Um, we use oil. We use you know that type of uh, product to uh, plant our crops, to harvest our crops. But it also is a market that is used and follows for fertilizer. So, uh, you know, a lot of people that thinking that fertilizer prices are going to go down. Uh, I think that the recent um, sanctions and such that's going on with Russia and where we're at currently today as of March 1st, it doesn't look or appear that uh, we're going to see any price relief on the, uh, uh, on the fertilizer side. Land values, the other part that I just wanted to talk about, land values are, are actually going up. At this point in time, I am in the Chicago Fed District, and the Chicago Fed District uh, put out a, a statement saying that land values are 22% up uh, for the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. I know locally we've, there's been a little bit of pressure on uh, increased um, um, you know, rents and things of that sort as well. We've had uh, a couple sales that I know of, one that was around, I think, $10,200 uh, an acre, and a couple others that were in that 12 to 13 range as well. So uh, obviously land values are up, um, your fertilizer costs are up, uh, but also our revenues are up and uh, we're going we're gonna to have some pretty decent ways to, uh, you know, to be able to pull some, some profit, I believe, back out in, into this year. You know, some of the things that, that I think um, 
As far as ag conditions, you know, we, we potentially need to be looking at is, um, you know, how do we how do we hedge and look at controlling the input side um, a little bit better? I know that our strategies on the on the sell side, you know, we're, we're pretty adverse in or at least, you know, a few of us have, have taken part of, you know, whether it was a put um, or, or cash sales with a call, you know, things of that sort. Um, but I think that we need to be looking at uh, the input side um, and seeing how we can't control that. Moving on from the uh, from the ag conditions, let's talk about inflation. And so this is another big, um, you know, I guess top of mind of, of of kind of what's going on. So inflation currently is around seven percent. The last time that it's been this high was in June of 1982. Uh, I, I think a few of you who listen to this podcast were probably in. In farming in 1982, and would say that uh, you know you can remember those interest rate times. Uh, we, we got, I believe, as high as around 20% on the prime in, uh, rate index. Today we're at three and a quarter. So uh, real, uh, you know, kind of kind of worrisome type of inflation that we're seeing out there. Some of the biggest contributors to this seven percent inflation. The biggest one is energy. And so obviously. Price targets on oil um, and things of that sort. Energy is one of the biggest contributors. The next ones that are um, in line after energy is shelter, food, vehicles, apparel, and medical. All contribute with energy to the seven percent that we're seeing here. I guess the biggest question here is: it is it transitory or is it here to stay? And so, for those of you that don't know what transitory means, which to be honest, I didn't. You know, I, I really didn't as well. Um, you know, it's, it's really disruptions in, you know, the supply-demand curve. Is it a temporary-type deal? Is it supply chain issues? Is it backlog issues? Is it, you know, increased COVID demand? All the stuff that we're seeing here right now, is that, is that what's pushing inflation or is inflation here to stay? And I would say, you know, j- just, a, I guess, a couple thoughts I have on this is that since we are seeing this administration not wanting to produce any domestic oil, and energy being our biggest, you know, contributor in this uh, inflation, I think it's at least here to stay while it's with this administration. Um, there's also a lot of green energy and clean energy deals being put together, and and, and people are really embracing this. So, you, you know, I, I guess it potentially you know makes you have to look and say, should we be moving more to to, to green? Um, or is this just a, a, a you know an administration issue that that maybe get resolved is is uh, you know after the next election who knows um, but I think those are those are questions to be answered later as, as time will tell whether it's transitory or it's here to stay uh, as far as interest rates so if I move from inflation let's talk about interest rates this is really you know my area of of expertise and you know something that that I think in the ag world I, I don't know if we're really paying close enough attention to. I, I think it's on top of a mind, you know, we're, it's on top of mind where we know that, hey, as soon as interest rates start moving, you know, we could potentially be in trouble here. But, um, you know, we're looking at current prices. We're looking at fertilizer. We're looking at fuel. We need to be looking at interest rates. And so here's my segment on interest rates. The Fed says it's been, um, you know, way too accommodative for the, for the, you know, far too long. They're, they're wanting to tighten the monetary policy. They want to shrink their balance sheet by the end of the third quarter. Uh, forecasts are, you know, potentially three to four interest rate hikes for a total of 1% increase in the prime base uh, in, in 2020. I believe we're also targeted for a potential 1% increase in 2023. So 
when I say this is kind of, I don't know if it's it, it's the dark horse, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. It's because if you were to figure out how much you pay in interest expense right now on your operating line, stress that by 2% with all of the other increased demands and pressures that you have on your inputs. And it starts to look like a, like it's a, you know, it starts to look pretty bleak pretty quick. And that's, I think, the major difference that we see with this inflationary period versus the early 80s inflationary period is obviously the interest rate, land values holding. Um, we're not seeing some of the declining pressure in land values uh, along with the rise in interest rates. But as we know, this is on the forecast and we know how that affects it. These are all things that, that we need to be prepared for um, as far as farmers and in, 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 in the agricultural industry. So. So interest rate pressure is a major concern here. Um, and I guess one last thing to, to, to just put in perspective with, with land values and, and, and things of that sort with you, as you wrap up to interest rates, and that is, um, you know, how does it affect your purchase power? So if for, for basically every 1% increase, you have about a 10% decrease in buying power. And so to put that in perspective, if, if you – currently today could afford a $200,000 house at today's interest rates. If that interest rate was to go up by 1%, you can now only afford a $180,000 house with everything else being consistent, but just the interest rate. And so that, that, that itself is how land values um, and other values get affected by, by rising interest rates. So um, I guess, you know, how does it impact values? That's how it is. You know, those are, I guess, my, my overall uh, forecast and thought as far as interest rates and, and you know, where they could potentially go. Uh, we're already seeing pressure on some of the five, uh, the three, five, seven, ten-year money. Um, in fact, I've got a customer that was looking to try to purchase some land in October. The rate since October has gone up 1%. Uh, on the long-term interest rate. So give you a little, uh, I guess give you a little bit of a, you know, flavor for where things are going and such. So that kind of wraps up the interest rate segment. So we've talked about U.S. conditions, any conditions, uh, inflation, interest rates. And so I guess uh, we're on to the recommendation side of this. And so, um, you know, I guess things to do that, that I would recommend is that uh, I, th I think you need to preserve cash. I, I think that, you know, as, as I've talked about that buying power, um, you know, if you're wanting to, um, if you need to replace equipment, you're wanting to purchase land, you know, anything that you're looking to do on the ag side, um, as these rates continue to go up, you know, cash is the, uh, the amount that you put down in cash, that's that's going to be the swing factor for you to be able to, to, to continue to, you know, basically expand and grow. I think that, you know, if you have any sort of floating rates on, on land or equipment, or any kind of adjustable periods uh, that, that are nearing, you know, let's get in touch. Uh, give me a call. Let's take a look at how to, to use some of those um, you know, current rates we're at, uh, potentially even some swap products that, that we offer that will help uh, um, hedge against higher interest rates and things of that sort. Those are all things that we can do. I think you need to be building working capital. You know, the, the difference between your current asset and your current liabilities. You know, Dr. David Cole, um, from the uh, Virginia Tech always talks about working capital burn. Um, you know, that's, that's 
in, in the is we fell off the super cycle, equity in the balance sheet and working capital is what saved a lot of operations. So I guess I'd just like you guys to uh, you know take a look at uh, those things. If you uh, your current bank is not doing any of that, give us a call. We'd love to help you out. Figure out uh, how to wrap this up and make sense of it. So before I cut everybody loose here um, and finish this up, I just wanted to give a customer testimonial as to why the farming banker and German American State Bank has been helping the ag industry and what we've been doing. Um, we, we developed a, a seed and fertilizer program back in uh, September that would allow uh, farmers to be able to take advantage of, of some of the lower cost uh, fertilizer at that point in time. And then also some of the early pay discounts that you see on the seed side. But we wanted to do it separate apart from your uh, operating line so that you still had enough, you know, uh, operating money to be able to take and handle at the end of the year, you know, potentially carrying some grain in storage and, and that type of stuff where you didn't work, run out of working capital. And so we came up with the seed program uh, at that point in time to help, uh, you know, take advantage of that. And we had a customer uh, the other day give us a call and tell us that uh, that in itself saved him around a hundred he thought it was about a hundred bucks an acre is what his savings costs were that he took advantage of in september when we came out with this and so i guess if you look at that and say hey you know you, you got to put you know fertilizer on a uh, thousand acres uh if you take that thousand acres times a hundred bucks an acre uh, you can do the math and, and see what we, we did to help save uh some expenses and costs for them so those are just some little things with a customer testimonial there to to, I guess, plug uh, the farming banker and German-American state bank. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.